decided to move this passage up because this deals specifically around elders, these leaders from Ephesus, these elders from Ephesus, um, probably in your translation it said, and um, elders uh, in the Greek is presbyteros. It's, it's, it's this word of overseer. Some would say it's a specific, a specific um, alignment with like, hey, these are people over local congregations and then you have bishops. Others would say that an elder and overseer and bishop, all these words are just intertwined and used by Paul. All that said, here's what we know that Paul is talking about here. There are leaders from local churches that he's asked to come down and meet him as he is ready to go back to Jerusalem. And, and I wanted us to use this, not just this passage, but this interpretation of scripture, the message, because this is a very tender conversation, and sometimes we can read Scripture and get caught up in some of the forensics of it, some of the details of it, and we miss that these are humans talking to each other, and they have a very important message to communicate. And, and Acts, more than, I mean, it's not as much of a, a book of let's get all these specific doctrines out. That's happening throughout the rest of the writings of the New Testament, as much as it has to do with these people having these experiences and trying to talk about God and communicate God in ways that the world can grab a hold of. And so I think it's important that we read the message this morning and we considered that. Um, and when I was thinking about how Paul, throughout his writings, interacts with the church and with leaders in the church, he has a very specific way of doing it that I think sometimes we miss. Um, Paul thinks in terms of a parent and a child when he thinks of himself and the church, even himself with leaders, that he wants these leaders to function more like a parent than simply a peer. And this is interesting. So let's, let me show you a few verses here. First would be from Galatians 4.19. Paul said, My dear children, from whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, which I would imagine if you're a woman, that's kind of insulting, right? Because you're like, give me a break. Patriarchy, Paul, you don't, you don't really get the childbirth, right? Fair enough, okay. That said, like, he's really trying to communicate, though, what it's like for him to have to lead and oversee, to elder, in a sense, these people. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, it says, even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he said, See, I am ready to come to you a third time, and I will not be a burden because I am not seeking your possessions but you. For children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Oh, man, that's beautiful. And then lastly, in Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the statue of Christ. Now, as a parent, I can relate to this in, in that, um, you know, few things are as hard than trying to reason with another human whose frontal lobe is not fully developed, all right? You know, are you with me on that? Like, especially when they're like five in that range, you know, or even 10, like, and it's just hard because there's a lot of insanity. There's less insanity the older a child gets. There's a lot of insanity when the child's younger, like children will try to die, right? And they don't realize it. They're just trying to live life, but without limits. 
And as a, as a parent, and I was just even thinking about it because we have a, a lot of young parents. We have a lot of babies that are coming in the world, and it's been a really exciting time. And a, a lot of times, you try to read all these books on parenting, and really, they're just like shame books is what they are. They're just kind of like shaming you into what you're not doing, okay? And so my first advice to any parent is don't read books about parenting, all right? Um, the, the second uh level of defensive shame, a lot of times can happen from other parents, right? Like, you get on Facebook, at least I hear, I'm not on Facebook for this reason, or many reasons, but like, you know, you get on Facebook, and it's like, how my kids are awesome and killing it, and you're like, man, I suck as a human, like, I'm no good, and, or it may be like, you try to do it like your parents did it, and you can't do it that way, and then, you know, if you only have, if you have only one kid, you don't have enough kids, if you have four kids, you're strange, like, there's all kind of levels, and you can just kind of experience a lot of parent shame, and I would say this, um, don't try to do that, <laughs> don't try to compare yourself in parenting, here's what parenting is in a nutshell, you ready, this is it, this is for singles, this is for couples, this is for married people. This is what parenting is in a nutshell. Parenting is trying to provide a ceiling for people to be able to bounce off against and grow up in. That's what parenting is. If you can imagine a home without a ceiling, it's not a home. It's just a space, and lots of things can happen in that space, like bad things, good things, whatever things. And what you want to be able to provide as a parent, you know, there was one uh, psychologist that was kind of, I was listening to recently talking about that in, in the studies they've seen, parents only have to get it right 50% of the time, which is pretty incredible. It also means the other 50% 50 of the time you get it wrong, you own it. You're like, hey, I got this wrong. I'm sorry. It's an incredible thing to give a child, to say I'm sorry. And what you're doing in those moments is you're providing a ceiling for that little one whose frontal lobe is not fully developed to like go crazy and lose their minds and over time lose their minds less and less. Because when parents don't parent, children have to now become the parents. That works. Somebody's got to be the parent in the home. So if parents don't parent, children have to parent. That's why some of you in this room maybe have felt like that you grew up too early. Maybe there wasn't enough parenting in your life. Um, but when parents parent, children get to grow up at the right pace in the right ways. I don't mean the perfect ways, but in the ways to mature. So they eventually can become their own adults and if they want to, parents one day. That's in a nutshell. Now, of course, it's way harder than that, okay? Because like even last night, my wife, Suzanne, made a decision with Charlotte to say, hey, you're acting up these ways, no TV tomorrow. And I was like, oh no, that's the kind of day it's gonna be tomorrow, meaning today. And sure enough, we woke up to it this morning. At 6.15, my child is losing her mind and I'm trying to negotiate with a terrorist over like what's gonna happen with TV or not. And I'm like, this is not the day and this is not the day the Lord has made and I will not rejoice and be glad in it. I will bribe you with dessert later, please act right, right? So we're trying to provide these ceilings Spaces for children to grow up in. Now, I don't mean this condescendingly at all. I, I just want to be clear, though. The way that scriptures talk about leaders in a church is that they are meant to be like parents so that the congregation can grow up in all of its maturity. And when leaders don't parent well, they don't make good decisions, when they're not living with these kind of right limits and regulations of us providing ceilings, what we see here is that the congregation cannot mature. 
And so this morning, I want us just to look a little bit here at just a few things that Paul has to say about what does it mean to elder well, because we're going to install elders this morning, and it's important that we all pick up on the weight and gravity of what these elders are supposed to be doing in this church, and what does it mean for you? So let's look here at a few things. First, there's a chunk up front, verses 20 through 24. It'll be on the screen. You know that from day one, my arrival in Asia, that I was with you totally, laying my life on the line, serving the master no matter what, putting up with no end of scheming by Jews who wanted to do me in. Now, just stop there. A few things we see already, that a good leader, a good elder, a good parent, if you will, will provide to a congregation. First, notice he says, from day one, I was with you totally. You know, leadership means being fully present and leaning into hardships and embracing heartaches. I'll say it again. Leading well, parenting well even. It means being fully present and leaning into hardships and embracing heartaches. The very first thing you have to be willing to do if you want to be able to step out and lead, if we want to be able to lead well is, first, you have to be present. Paul says, I was fully with you. I didn't hold back. I wasn't somewhere else. You mattered right in front of me. And then he goes on to say, laying my life on the line, experiencing hardships. No one in the New Testament has as many hard times than Paul. Paul and Job are hanging out today, and all they probably are doing is talking about how bad their lives were, right? And like, man, this was so difficult. I mean, these two people had a hard time with their life, but he was willing to embrace it. He embraced these hardships, and then he goes, like, by the Jews who wanted to do me in. There were people literally against him, wanting him to fail, And so what does it mean to lead well? It means that we're fully present and we lean into the hardships and we're willing to embrace the heartaches. Because if you're going to lead well and you're going to love well, you may not be loved back. It may not be reciprocated. It may not be appreciated. And that hurts. But if you're called to this kind of leadership, you're willing to embrace that. If you're called to parenting, you better get ready for that. Move on, and we see in verse 28, now it is up to you, be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's people they are, to guard and protect them, and God himself thought they were worth dying for. The second thing I would say that leading means is leading means providing a space of care and safety for self and others. So first we said leadership, leading means to be fully present and lean into the hardships and embrace the heartaches. But here we see Paul is also communicating something a little bit different. He goes, to lead well means providing a space of care and safety for self and others. He says here, he goes, be on your toes for yourselves 
and your congregation. Be on your toes for yourselves and your congregation. The word in Greek is prosecco. Prosecco. And it does mean simply to be aware, but it also means, interestingly enough, to attend to self. That the first thing a person who's going to lead well, parent well, elder well, is that they actually have to attend to themselves first, which seems to really fly in all of the theory and approaches we have to parenting. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane and they kind of do the whole bit up front where we all just kind of like don't pay attention. They get up there and even the flight attendants are like, I'm sorry I have to do this. You know, like we're all sorry, this is boring, you know, but you know, bad things can happen. So I need to talk about it. So they get up front and they go through all the motions. And you remember this one part where they say, um, in case of emergency, uh, put your mask on, what does they say? First, and then the person beside you. How, like, non-intuitive is that? Like, if, if the, something's happening on the plane, and it's going down, and you have your children with you, what do you want to do? You want to get them situated, get it on them. The truth of the matter is, if it's going down fast and you're losing oxygen, you're going to pass out and be no good. So you actually have to put the mask on first if you want to be helpful to anyone else around you that you are overseeing. A lot of times we read Jesus or other parts that Paul, where Paul's talking, and we think in terms of like denying ourselves. Like deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. But Jesus is not saying deny your needs. He's saying deny your ego. Deny that thing that gets in the way of more life. The thing that you cannot be willing to do is deny your needs. And so the first thing that's really interesting is Paul is saying, like, be aware. Attend to yourself. And I even love the visual that comes with this. A lot of times in the Greek, it's, it's very vivid. And what it, it says is, it's like, it'd be used for this, like when a ship is being brought into safe harbor. I love that visual. So do what you got to do to be brought into safe harbor. And then he goes on to say, of the sheep, to guard and protect them. To guard and protect them. Um, Not everybody is going to be safe. There are some people that will come into this congregation or other congregations and simply want to be divisive, simply want to be against, living dualistically, will simply want to just keep crossing boundaries. And it is important that someone who is leading, that's parenting, that's eldering, is overseeing and looking over the flock, this congregation, these people that have come together and said, we want unity in Christ. And when you find those who do not want unity, you have to have difficult conversations. Hey, what are you doing here? What's your intention? Like, do you just need to be somewhere else? That's difficult. That's not what I want to do or anyone else wants to do. We want to be a place to belong and a place to know God. But it's important if parents don't parent well then children can't mature. They can't grow up into their faith. They can't become their own adults and parents if and when the time comes. 
And so Paul's saying, when I step out, there will be a void and there will be others who try to come in and bring disruption, even in your higher ranks here. And I need you to do something about that because I was willing to protect you. You need to be protecting other people. And then he goes on to point out that this is so important and why is this so important? In, in the NIV and ESV, it says, God purchased this people with his blood. In the, in the message he says that God thought they were worth dying for. That those who want to lead at these levels of eldering, they have to be willing to see that every person that they come across is absolutely precious. That when they see a person, they don't see someone coming against them. They actually see someone with a story. You know, we've had a lot of people over time leave the church for different reasons, others who have come to the church, and every person who's left the church, I've always said the same thing to them. I'm sorry you're leaving. I wish you would stay. I'll miss you, and we bless you. That doesn't mean I necessarily liked the person. It doesn't mean I necessarily, like, was hanging out with the person. It just means that I had to be willing to give that to that person. It's okay if you don't stay. It's okay if you need to be somewhere else. Yes, it hurts. And yes, I want you to be well. If you can't be well here, I want you to be well somewhere else. That's a hard thing to give. It's a hard thing to lead. That for those who serve in this church as elders, though, that's the position they have to take because every person is valuable. And it also means every person who stays is very valuable in that their stories matter. Your tears matter. Your hardships matter. Your voice and being heard matters. And it's actually a wonderful thing that we get to be the size that we are because that means if you're willing to be, you get to be seen. That you don't have to hide out in the corners. That you don't have to just sit with whatever that destructive pattern is in your life or destructive behaviors. That you don't have to sit in the misery and the shame of who you are and where you've been. You don't have to sit with the wounds that you've carried. But you actually can be known. And that's what it means to be able to pastor an elder well that it's a safe enough space to be heard. You know, a lot of times in these uh, addictive relationships, like you have an addict and a, and a codependent, you have an abuser and one who's been abused, all those kind of things, it takes the person who has been the abuser to get healthy. And then in time, that means the person who's been with that person in time will find a safe enough space to be able to be heard and do their own work. And this church had a history of not being a safe place. And we've been working very hard for the last few years to become a safer place. And I just want you to know something. If you've been here a while, it's okay. It's safe. You can be known. You can ask questions. Because that's what parents do, provide those safe spaces. So to live this way is to initiate. Like, to live this way, first I would say is this is to be on the front lines. Meaning, if you're going to live this way, as a person leading and parenting, you're on the front lines. You're taking the first wave of hits. You're embodying, in a sense, like the hurt that comes. Listen, the people that sit around the table and lead this church, the elders, 
they've been through a lot of stuff, and you could use other words for stuff. <laughs> they've, they've had experience a lot of things in life. And to sit around that table with them, I admire them so much because I realize these are people who take those first blows. And you know, like when times are tight for us financially, um, you know, I don't get on a knee with Charlotte and say, hey, baby, listen, I need you to know something. Like, we can't be watching Netflix this month. No Princess Sophia, okay? Because we got to keep the lights on, all right? So you're going to be okay? All right, now you go cry and don't understand why we have to do this. Like, no, I don't do that. Like, nobody gets on a knee with their child and says, all right, we've got to suffer for a while, and you got to suffer too, five-year-old. No. Like, parents, they go, okay, we got to deal with this. So how do we deal with this? Now, of course, as a child is growing up into a teenager, you bring them in on things. But parents are willing to take those first blows. So parents are willing, these leaders are willing to put oneself on the front lines. They're also willing to initiate, that they're willing to take ownership of whatever comes their way. The first ones to say, I'm sorry. The last ones to say, I was right. The ones to say, hey, I'm here for you, even if you don't want to be here. They're the ones who are willing to stand up and do what's right, even when others perceive them as wrong or it hurts. These kind of leaders that Paul is talking about are those who attend to themselves first. We mentioned this. They're willing to do the hard work around that. Like, I've had to say this to Suzanne and even other people in my life, that anything that would be recovery for me to go get, I have to say, hey, I put this before, like, our marriage. I put this before our family. And it's all like, whoa, you can't say that. I'm like, well, here's the thing. If I don't go get healthy, and I don't mean, like, let me kind of just go out to the Bahamas. I'll see you in a month, Suzanne. You know what I mean? I don't mean that. I don't mean let me lay around my room and do nothing. What I mean is, if I don't go to the places to get the help and health I need, so if I don't get me, you don't get me. So we encourage our leaders here, go get you. Do what you got to do. I'm purposely not preaching a lot in May and June to take care of myself more. And that's permission that we have in our culture. It also means that when I get back, it's permission for others or Drew or Jamin or whoever else to not have to. It's important we give that kind of permission. And to live this way is to be vulnerable. And this is what I want to get to. Because all these things combined together is a person who's willing to be vulnerable. Let me read this from Henry Nouwen. Now and said, I am deeply convinced, and this is in your bulletin, that the Christian leader of the future is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her own vulnerable self. That is the way Jesus came to reveal God's love. The great message that we have to carry as ministers of God's word and followers of Jesus is that Jesus loves us not because of what we do or accomplish, but because God has created and redeemed us in love and has chosen us to proclaim that love as the true source of all human life. Here's the last thing I would say. Parents, leaders, elders who lead well are those who understand the difference between transparency and vulnerability. We have a culture that mistakes transparency as vulnerability and it doesn't work. That it's easy to stand up here and give you stories about my life, and you're like, oh, man, he's so transparent. 
But if I stop there, and when we sit together, I don't tell you about how I hurt one-on-one. I don't tell you about how I'm sad. I don't actually tell you about what I'm going through in life. Then what you're getting is just like a prop to measure yourself against instead of someone to be in relationship with. So many times I've heard stories of those that grew up and they said, I saw my parents. It was like there was a glass wall between us. Like I couldn't really relate to them. They raised me, and I'm grateful, but it was hard to really have relationship. Ultimately, parents who parent well and leaders who lead well bring others into their lives. They're willing to be known. They're willing to share. They're willing to be seen because life is difficult, and what you need is something more than a robot standing in front of you telling you how life's all going to work out if you follow these steps. And so here's what I'd ask you. All these things we talked about, are those things you desire in your life as well? So we have people standing up here in a minute that are saying, we desire to be the kind of people who stand on the front lines, who are willing to initiate, who are willing to be vulnerable and not simply transparent, who are willing to provide a ceiling and let others grow up in, who are willing to be pushed against and poked at, maybe even neglected, but always be willing to love. And I want you to be able to think about that as they are going through these vows and these liturgy of what they're saying they're committed to. What they're saying is they're committed to you. They're committed to seeing you. They're committed to loving you. They're committed to being with you. And that's a very powerful thing that when a church operates in that way, lots of growth gets to happen. Lots of us in this room get to step into more and more. Listen, I would not be able to step into what I step in today if it wasn't for other people who provided those things for me. And I can list them off by name right now. The people who are willing to be those ceilings for me along the way to let me mature and grow into my faith. We just pass it on down the line. Because ultimately, I love this last line Paul has to say. He goes, because we learned this from Jesus in verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And gosh, that's true. It's more fulfilling when I get to give than simply when I receive. And it's more fulfilling for you that when you get to grow up into however and wherever God's asking you to grow up into and step into, that you get to do the same. And by the way, you don't have to be eldering to do this right now. There are people in your life, if you look around, that are looking to you to be that for them. And in all these ways, we find it is better and more blessed to give and receive. Let's pray. Father, now as we come to this point of receiving these elders, um, we confess to you that our hearts are ready and open. We want to recognize the commitment that they are making and what that means for us as a church. We thank you for examples like Paul and these elders at Ephesus who are willing to start this process of being the kind of people who watch over the flock and care and love for others because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen.